This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. We have lost a historic figure, and we may start losing others. It's the true, as it turns out, the true Super Tuesday Eve, isn't it? Excelsior! Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. Thank you for the job. Thanks for being here. one 3393 one 3393 And on Twitter, via Twitter, at J-A-Y underscore S-E-V-E-R-I-N. What's going on? Lots going on for geeks such as we. Huh? I'd like to start with recognition and I'll disappoint you if you're expecting for a lot more than that though if I disappoint you with a failure to do what you view as adequate recognition of it ask me a question I will answer all questions appertaining to the death of Muhammad Ali it is a historic loss of a historic person. I think it is correct. This is said about a few people now and then. But I believe it is certainly true that in my lifetime, the person about whom it was accurately said that his was the most recognized face on the planet. That of all, Ty's, Ty is producing the show today. My good friend and a super cosmonaut at the controls here. Ty, do you, and we haven't talked about this. Ty, have you ever talked to me before? Have you ever met me before? Have we ever spoken? Was it not true that I was picked out of a phone book at random to ask you this question today? To tell the audience. No, absolutely. No, no prompting right. whatsoever. And, 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 and in that context, the absence of prompting. Actually, we didn't, we, Ty, we didn't talk about this yet, have we? No, no, we really didn't. Okay. So it, do you think I'm right or wrong when I say that in my lifetime now, Ty's probably half my age. So this is more interesting because it may not apply to Ty's lifetime where there have been a lot of famous people, like Michael Jackson, for instance. But, it, Ty, I say in my lifetime, 
the one person about whom I can right off the bat say that it's absolutely true. My impression is it's true that the most recognized human being on the planet Earth was Muhammad Ali. Absolutely. He was the first person I was aware of as a, a small, small kid that was a global star when it was really hard to be a global star. It's a lot easier to be global now because you can look on YouTube and see somebody in China. That's right. It's right. It was really hard in the 60s and 70s to be a global star. And Ali was a global star when it was really hard to be a global star. When he fought in Africa, he was a god. Everyone knew him. Uh, you know, I mean, it is said, I don't know this, but it is said, and reading back on the old reports and all, it is said that he was treated like a god and that people in Africa who had never before seen a well, you know, uh, knew somehow knew Muhammad Ali. No, that's true. When he fought George Foreman, George Foreman thought that because they loved Ali so much, that if it went to decision, he wasn't going to get a fair shake, tried to leave the country. The president, quote unquote, would not let him leave of Zaire, would not let him leave. And then Ali knocked him out. So it didn't matter. <laughs> he sure did. I saw a replay of that today. Uh, BBC and, and, and uh, uh, as to the point whether, you know, it was Ali the most recognizable human being on the planet, uh, BBC is the BBC, and for all good, bad, indifferent, they changed all of their programming starting, I think it was Friday night. Every single thing the BBC broadcast worldwide to their worldwide constituency, their listeners, had to do with with Muhammad Ali. His, you know, his life, every, so if it was the science show, they talked about the concussive effects of boxing. If it was the religion show, they talked about his subscription to Islam. You know, if it was the news show, obviously, they talked about all the people talking about him. I mean, the BBC stopped as they only would, I imagine, for a Winston Churchill or, you know, somebody like that. I mean, it, it was just further confirmation, Ty, I think, and best and brightest, that this, this guy was for a time at least, and, and maybe until the moment of his passing, the maybe the first most recognized. I don't know that Winston Churchill was known by people in Tahiti and Africa and South America and the North Pole when Winston Churchill was uh, prime minister during World War II. But Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay was, yes. Absolutely, and he was actually the first superstar that was completely transparent. No one really knew what Frank Sinatra really thought about this, that, and the other thing. Everyone knew, whether you agreed or not, exactly what Ali felt about every particular issue he was ever asked about, and that meant a lot to people, especially with the racial and different divides and just the Vietnam War and everything else. Everyone knew exactly where he stood. So for the most famous person in the world to speak out and be that transparent, that's something we don't have today, and I don't think we'll ever have it again. Well, it's a great point, and it runs parallel to the Thai theory of first superstar or time when it was Thai. I mean, I'm going to go along with first superstar, uh, uh, of, uh, you know, of, it, of its type, and, and I go along with hardest, as you astutely theorize, and this goes along with it because this was he let people in. So it wasn't like Marilyn Monroe. You know, you saw a picture of Marilyn Monroe and you said, "That's she's a movie star, right? 
but you didn't think you knew anything about Marilyn Monroe, but you 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 think you knew something about Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali, and you did. Yeah, it, it, uh, to well, me, it's amazing, and I'm glad you touched on this because um, this is much larger than like a sports story. I think some people who are young, maybe my age or younger, think, "Oh, that's that boxer," but it's almost yeah. an insult to refer to him as that boxer because yeah. of what he did for the world. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, whatever. And again, it's fair to say he was not universally worshipped um, uh, because exactly because he converted to Islam, exactly because of the things he said uh, about the war, exactly because he would not uh, submit to conscription, exactly because he would not fight in Vietnam. Uh, he was not universally worshipped, but the truth of the matter uh among even the people who criticized him and many allies of mine, friends of mine throughout the years have criticized him, if not in general, have certainly mentioned it when they say, well, he wasn't flawless. You know, I get all of that, but there's no denying that uh, the material or I'm sorry, the context you and I have been addressing so far is the degree to which he was known. And if you want to throw in there loved and admired, yeah, he had critics, but there is no question loved and admired up there on a level probably equal to known. Yes? No, absolutely. And even being as public as he was with Parkinson's, which is not exactly a – you can't be – some people say you can't be sophisticated. It's hard to be have dignity when you have that disease. The fact that he was so public while he was, you know, stricken with that disease for so long I think is another sign – of just the character of that man. Cause there's a lot of people who, when that happens to them, they run and hide and he never ran and hid from anything other than, I guess some people would he's say the Vietnam. second man. He's the second man I knew. And again, I want to stress Ty and I have not had this conversation. Um, he's the second man I knew who carried a, a great dignity though, admittedly without the platform of any fame under that circumstance. And the other one was my father who died exactly what Muhammad Ali died of, which is respiratory uh, difficulty and ultimate failure uh, due to Parkinson's. Uh, eventually, what ends up killing you isn't the Parkinson's per se, it's the symptomology. And the most common symptomology of it is that it, it's, it uh, wreaks havoc with your ability to breathe. You essentially could solve it by going on a respirator, but only for a moment, you know. Um, so even in that, you know, even in that, they didn't try to, you know, keep him alive forever. And that wouldn't have been Ali, would it, Ty? I mean, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have seemed very Ali to, you know, what, I, what I'm glad I will never see, I hope I'll never see, is a picture of Muhammad Ali on a respirator. No. Or, you know, as you say, every picture of him we ever had, even the last one uh, we ever saw of him, uh, the image we had of him in near death was the image we had of him in life, which was, uh, I don't know, the adjectives alone could take a show uh, to describe. Well, Muhammad Ali, rest in peace. What a figure. And though, no, not just a fighter. Whoa, what a fighter. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. On the Blaze Radio Network. And I hate to deprive you of this, best and brightest, but yes, Ty and I considered uh, other points, uh, allied points, and conversed further about Muhammad Ali during the break. And one of the things, I won't ask him to sign on to it, but the last thing I said was, there are a lot of people right now comparing, in a, in a, in a general media sensation way, trying to frame this, there are a lot of people saying that uh, Donald Trump is the contemporary Muhammad Ali, and they see a lot of differences between them. Now, within certain contexts, that that may be a discussable point, a debatable point, but I know one big difference between Donald Trump and Muhammad Ali, and that is Muhammad Ali spoke English beautifully. one 3393 uh, his trainers were there to train him in the art of manly self-defense, as it's known, not to help him complete sentences. This Ali could do on his own, uh, mellifluously, brilliantly. No teleprompter. One triple eight nine hundred three. Well, Donald doesn't use a teleprompter either, so let's be fair. <laughs> when he speaks moronically. It's totally of his own production. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. But Jay, but Jay, aren't you voting for Donald Trump? I don't know if he ends up being the Republican nominee. I am, but I'll tell you this: if he keeps shooting himself in the foot, and in a moment, uh, that's what I want to know what you think about. I think for the first time, none of the, I haven't bought it any time. Anyone has said, oh, this is it. Trump's really hurt himself now. You know, how many of those have there been? About 700? You know, that's it. He's gone too far now. I haven't bought in any of those. I don't buy into this one with the quote-unquote Mexican judge. But I do buy into it somewhat. I'll explain why. I, I think this has hurt him. And it's funny that we just talked about uh, in, well, you know, in passing, we mentioned boxing, because this is like boxing. You you don't know the punch which hurt the boxer the most. What you see and what we see forever, and Ty, again, chime in, that the, 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 the punch we presume hurts the boxer that loses the most is the one we see that's the last one thrown by the opponent. Or is the knockout punch? Or is the combination, the flurry of punches? Or is those last moments of the fight? That's what you see on tape. What you don't see, that that, that happens in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th round. What we don't see replayed 
about any fighter. What we don't see is is or or what we don't see about a quarterback when he has to leave the game late in the second quarter. What we don't see is the hit on the third play of the game that broke his rib. And what we don't see in boxing is, right, Ty, we don't see we don't see the punch that may have caused the knockout. Right. We don't see the punch in the first or second round that may have fractured the guy's rib. We'll sit causing him to to not defend himself or be hit there for the third time in the seventh round, which and it, we don't see that, but that actually won or lost the fight. Yes, it's always it, a lot of times we'll we'll be watching it and we're we're home on a couch and say, how come he not holding his hands up? Because that body work has brought those right. elbows down, and now his face is wide open. We weren't paying attention yep. to the to the body shots, yeah, yeah, but those yeah, body yeah. blows is what led to that head shot that knocked him out. My dad was not a, a boxing. Uh, uh, he was not particularly. In, uh, knowledgeable, but he was enthusiastic, and he used to watch the fights on television with my uncle, and they were they watched and they 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 enjoyed it. They were fairly knowledgeable, you know, amateur observers of the of uh, of the fights, and I don't know whether it was in response. It was probably in response to some wise crack remark I made about, well, yeah, that doesn't look so hard, or wow, you get paid half a million dollars to do that. You know, I'd let some guy hit me. You know, uh, for you know, and 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 among the other things that fathers are meant to dispense is this kind of wisdom. And I remember this like it was yesterday. Ty, he said to me, "All right, stand up here." And I said, "No, no, no, don't hit me." <laughs> and, you know, he had no intention of striking me, and, he, and and he didn't, but and and wouldn't have. But I didn't know. But he said, "No, stand up here. I just want to show you something." He goes, "Now, put your hands up, like like we're going to box." All right, now let's dance around the room a little bit, like we're boxing. He goes, all right, now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at my watch and I want you to just do that and like throw a punch at the air, you know, every 10 seconds. I want to see how long you can do this. And his lesson was, how long can you just stand up, dance around without without a guy, without Tarzan beating the snot out of you on the other side? Just the, the art of standing up there moving and, you know, just the 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 incredible, the profound physical fatigue of committing the act for three minutes at a time or whatever it is. It's amazing. The he- a heavyweight boxer, at minimum, loses. This is in a climate-controlled environment, not, not even if you're outdoors, at least a pound a round. So if they go oh, in wow. at 220, they're leaving that ring 208, that's how much water they lose in a, in a professional fight. And that's without getting hit, and that's without any elements like fighting outdoors in Africa like Ali and Foreman did. All right, well, speaking of, hey, uh, uh, Coco, stop it, because I'll, I'll have to murder you. Stop it. It's one of the smaller dogs, and believe me, I have to quickly say, if I were implicated in a hammer murder with the dog, I mean, don't be surprised. Uh, speaking of heavyweights, I'm going to say this very quickly. Glenn Beck is on with Megan Kelly live tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, to talk about... I'm not still exactly sure what, but apparently someone judged him harshly for having not uh, come down very heavily on a fiction writer for talking about some fictional scenario. And I, I don't, I mean, it's like, you know, if I had a, 
if I had the if I had a doctor on and the doctor said, well, you know, in theory, I might try to do this. Well, that's why you had the doctor on. He's a doctor. He's going to tell you what he might try to do. You know, he said, well, what I might try to do is, uh, you know, administer. Uh, I might at that moment uh, use the paddles because the heart stopped. And all of a sudden the story is doctor likes to use paddles on patients. I don't or, or I, I, you know, so uh, as far as I can understand it, uh, uh, Glenn has been judged by some as not having told a fiction author to stop weaving fiction uh, when he was a guest. That's as close as I come to understanding it. But watching it tonight on Fox, Megyn Kelly, 9 o'clock Eastern, I'm hoping we can both actually understand it. Though don't count on it. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. With you, the best and brightest, one 3393 Again, uh, Glenn Beck appears with Megyn Kelly tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, on Fox News. Now, the Trump remarks on federal judge George Gonzalez, uh, i.e., that he is guilty of prejudice against Donald Trump because Judge Gonzalez is, quote, a Mexican, end quote. I wish there were a way to soften that because I, I, I want Hillary to lose. So I don't think I need to go down the rest of the chain. If you want Hillary to lose, it is a anything that makes it more likely that Hillary will be the next president is a bad thing. Donald Trump saying that Judge Gonzalez is against him because he's, quote, a Mexican, quote, probably makes it even more likely that Hillary will be uh, president, insert scream here. Uh, he also, Donald Trump also claims, of course, that Judge Gonzalez is against him based on several uh, evidentiary rulings so far, uh, other rulings attendant to the case that went against Mr. Trump. And so he says that that proves I'm right in my claim that he's against me. Well, it doesn't, of course. It would, to be fair, your evidence. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm not reading the case, so I don't know. But if there have been several initial procedural uh, and other judgments against you in the case made by the judge, I'm sure Donald's lawyers are telling him this guy's just against you because that's what lawyers say when they keep losing their side, you know, their argument in a case. They go back to their clients and say, well, what are they going to say? We made a bad argument? 
They go back to their clients and say, this guy's just against us. So Donald Trump has every reason to believe, you know, in all fairness, he has every reason to believe that this judge is against him. And I wish he had said that instead. I wish he had said, because by the way, P.S., this would be certainly of the two, but in any case, this would be something of an actual argument. You could say, this judge has ruled against me on several important procedural matters attendant to this case, and it's, it's killing me. It's killing my chances of prevailing in this case. I think this judge is absolutely biased against me. Fine. That's an, you know, I mean, I'm not sure it's the strongest argument I've ever heard, but it, it, it approaches being an argument. The judge is biased against me. Look, he is Donald Trump. Very few people in, in, the, in, in the world, certainly in the United States, don't have some feeling of bias in favor of or in opposition to, but in any case, in prejudice of Donald Trump, right? So he said, this judge happens to be one of them. He's a, an American and I'm Donald Trump, and right now he either loves me or hates me, and on the basis of such judgments as he has made thus far, I have concluded this judge is one of the Americans that don't like me. Again, it approaches being an argument. Argue that. Don't say the judge is a Mexican. The first reason is because it's factually incorrect. The judge is not a Mexican. The judge is a Hoosier. The judge was born in Indiana. That makes him a Hoosier. Whatever else he may or may not be, we know he's a Hoosier, but we know something else. He ain't a Mexican. He was born in Indiana. Ipso facto, he's an American. Now, that he is of Mexican heritage, again, I'm not sure sure that it's very wise to bring that up. In fact, it strikes me uh, on its face as as dumb to even think about bringing up. You could think it, but I wouldn't think about it out loud. But it's a mistake for reason number one, start and stop right here. It's untrue. He's not a Mexican. And in all, all things given, all circumstances given, The fact that you not only are claiming something that is manifestly, demonstrably false, but now it leaves you holding a bag that's not only empty, but you're holding, in fact, the bag that Donald Trump is now holding on this matter is not empty. It's full of dog poo. It's full of weak old dog poo. And and, and now, now he's going to rip open the bag and let it fall on his head. Because, or what he's already done is that, because he didn't need to, he didn't, this is a completely, you talk about shooting yourself in the foot, this is shooting yourself in far more valuable property considerably farther north of your foot, if you know what I mean. And it's an entirely self-inflicted wound. And again, just going in, the claim on its face is wrong. But beyond that, the claim is a very high stakes claim 
Because if you're right, you're still going to lose people. But if you're absolutely wrong on the fact of the matter, i.e., he's a Mexican. Now, you, you know, the irony of this is that in the end, alone, at home, with a drink in your hand, with the curtains pulled, you can say to your wife, you could say to your best friend, look, this guy is a first-generation American. His parents came here from Mexico. He knows I'm going to build a wall. I think, like a lot of other Americans, he either loves me or hates me, and I have the impression he hates me. And it's because he's of Mexican heritage. You say that if you want. Say it to your wife. Say it to your best friend. Say it to yourself. Don't say it out loud. Because it, it can't be demonstrated. And you're right. The moment you open your mouth, you're wrong. Now, even if you're right, you're wrong. This is my point here. In the way you put it, when you say he's a Mexican, you're wrong. Ding, ding, ding. It's over. He's not. If what you're trying to say is he's of Mexican heritage background and therefore hates me like a lot of people do. Most of them, by the way, whites of European ancestry hate me because I want to build a wall and I want to stop illegal immigration. Most of the people who hate Donald Trump for this are white Euros, Euro-Americans. But, see, as I say, I never bought into the thing like, oh, Donald's made a mistake this time. This time Donald Trump has made a mistake because it is leaving him isolated at a crucial time from his own allies. Now, note bene, note well, the principal Clinton attack line against Trump is that he is temperamentally unable to hold this office. He he is he is he is disqualified from being he's unqualified for and has disqualified himself from holding this office, says Hillary Clinton. And she hopes that people believe that. And lo and behold, at the crucial moment in the trial, what happens but that the courtroom doors bang open and she says, and I give you my star witness to support this point of contention. My star witness against Donald Trump having the temperamental ability to hold this office. I give you my star witness for the prosecution against Donald Trump. Donald Trump! So he races into the courtroom at the crucial time in the movie and testifies against himself. That's what's happening here. Look, Trump is no longer a candidate in a multi-candidate primary field with only geeks such as we paying attention. He is now running for president of the United States, one of only two people seriously so doing. The calendar is changing. People's, the nature and magnitude of their attention being paid is different. He is now being actually viewed as a prospective president of the United States, commander-in-chief. Donald Trump, 
I would I'd say this neutrally. I would say this about anybody. I'd offer this uh, advice far more valuable than what's being paid for it. Uh, I would offer anyone this advice. It just so happens I'm offering it to Donald Trump. Dude, you must adjust your image, not your beliefs. I'm, no one ought to tell you what your beliefs are. I don't care what those beliefs are. There are just some beliefs we all have that ought not be broadcast beyond our own you know, living room with the shades pulled. I'm not telling you, Donald, that you need to adjust your beliefs. That's not for me to say. I'm just telling you you need to adjust your declarations. You need to adjust which of your beliefs you hold with the public, which of them you declare to the public. Because right now, uh, you, you have put yourself in a very bad position. I will explain more in a moment. But the bottom line is, with this comment about this judge, and it doesn't matter, you know, it could have been any number of things. But the nature of this comment involving all of the matches and gasoline in American politics and life right now, race, ethnicity, immigration, color, you know, bias, prejudice, racism, hashtag, all of this. Right now, Donald Trump has crossed a line. I'm not saying that it's going to kill him. I'm not saying that it's going to deprive him of being president. What I am saying is, as Ty and I discussed with you a minute ago, this is the punch in the ribs in the second round that you don't see or that you see and you forget about. And later they say, oh, he knocked him out in the eighth. Yeah, he knocked him out in the eighth because he broke his ribs in the, at the end of the first round. This is the kind of punch that Donald Trump lands on himself that makes the people close to him unable to defend him, forces them to walk away from him, at least for the moment, and here is the bottom line, makes it impossible for him to attract supporters he doesn't already have, which equals impossible to get elected. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, we spent more time on this than I had certainly planned, though I don't regret a moment of it, and that is the passing of Muhammad Ali. And it, it does strike me, uh, and Caleb, thank you for reminding me that there are some people in the audience way too young. I mean, I don't, I don't remember Ali like fighting Sonny Liston or... I don't really remember a lot. Um, he was before my time too, in a lot of ways. But I, I, I do know from you know trying to follow history and him. But in any case, uh, uh, Caleb writes and, and says, well, "What's the deal with the you know the Muslim and the draft? And did he dodge the draft? It, it really depends on how you define dodge. And I'm not I'm not trying to dodge it. Uh, the fact is that Cassius then Cassius Clay." 
declared that he was converting to Islam, becoming what was then called a black Muslim, and that he would henceforth follow the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, as he was known, and 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 uh, would be a Muslim. He soon thereafter, very publicly, he didn't like move to Canada, you know, or or try to hide from the draft. He stood up. He went to the draft board and declared, uh, "I am. I declare myself ineligible for conscription uh, on the basis of my being a conscientious objector, and that is that I qualify on one or more of the criteria required." to earn conscientious objector status. Uh, the first of which is you must object for a, if you're objecting for a uh, religious reason, it must be as the result of religious training and or belief that would make conscription and uh, killing, uh, to coin a phrase, uh, abhorrent to you and against your religion. And it must be, you can't make up the religion. This is the dynamic area of the law. You know, how come I can't be a Jayist and just declare that I'm going to do whatever I want because it's consistent with being a Jayist? Well, as I say, it's a dynamic area of the law. It was even more dynamic then. But Ali converted to Islam and then said, I will not uh, be conscripted, but I'm willing to do whatever the punishment is. They stripped his title. They banned him from boxing. In his prime for years. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, yes, Donald Trump may have finally done something, not final, but I like this in honor of Ali. Uh, the passing of Muhammad Ali, I, li- I like the metaphor. You know, th- this is a punch which landed. Of all the punches that all of the boxing observers think somehow they've seen Donald Trump take in the last year, but somehow none of them seem to have hurt him. And the judges didn't see the punches either. I think his comment about the judge is the first punch that's landed. And not too ironically, it was self-inflicted. Let's see where it goes. We'll find out pretty quickly. Veritas. Welcome back. Best and brightest, Jay Severin. Phone number one 888 Glenn Beck, tonight on Fox News, 9 o'clock Eastern, with Megyn Kelly. Before we get back to Trump, Scott from Boston, thank you for your gracious patience and uh, doing something we rarely do, which is entertain the prospect that what someone other than me 
has to say to open an hour of the show could be as remotely worthwhile to have that honor as what I have to say. But uh, I'm going to I'm putting my my chips on you, Scott. Okay, thank you. Thank you. It's been a couple of weeks and always a pleasure. Um, I'm a little late for the show today, so if I say something that's already been said or... Um, we'll just cut uh, you uh, off without warning. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> um, and again, I'm not getting into our last conversation. Remember, uh, no, it's okay. Hey, 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 go, go, <laughs> where you want, go where you want to go. It is your time. Is, is, this, the, is this the J7 Outdoors show? Do you remember that reference? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not the hockey show, I think, today. Not yet. No, no. although I was actually going to bring that up and thought what well, you thought of the playoffs. but um, We need to get well, a little I'm, closer. So yeah, what are we, right, we're, two, right. we're three games in, so that's that's still a little early because, uh, you know, we don't want to lose it's both exciting. of my listeners. So. <laughs> um, what I was going to ask you about quickly is, I, I do not know this, Muhammad Ali. Uh, clearly an American icon. Was he convicted or ever charged as a deserter, or what was his story with the draft and all that? Do you know? know? I don't know. Ty, help me. Save me. Whatever happened? Was the case he won? Did he win? He was prosecuted, but then there was some sort of plea Uh. deal at the end. All right, Ty's telling me. Oh, you you can be heard, Ty, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Scott, you know, and I just watched this for re- I inundated myself with a lot of Ali stuff during the weekend, as I think probably other people did. I was looking for some of his fights, couldn't find them, but I did watch the HBO special that was made about his case before the Supreme Court, just because it gave me any excuse again to you know, as a Supreme Court junkie, to to watch anything that might have actually drawn some dialogue from actual things said in the court. But, yes, but that's so, a great question. Yeah, real I fact, guess there was a plea deal in the end. Yes, he was found I, guilty of draft evasion. He was found guilty. Charges. He was found guilty, and but but never jailed. Uh, probably fined. Ty, yes, was he fined? Yes. Well, we know he was fined. Yes, he was fined he, heavily. But they overturned the conviction in 1971, but did not pay him any restitution from the previous oh, fines. Okay. Yeah. Well, Scott, there's your answer. His punishment was really that he was. He was Ted William. He was Ted Williams, although Ted did it himself. Right? Ted like dropped out of baseball for four years, went and became a fighter pilot, right? Yes. And then came it's back, and then the people say, "Imagine if he had those four years between the ages of whatever it was, you know, twenty three and twenty seven, to be playing ball." Well, uh, Ali was pretty much between the same ages, stripped of his title banned from boxing everywhere in the world, forbidden to leave the country, and essentially denied the opportunity to make, you know, a living in, in his in his uh, obviously chosen field. Wow. And sadly, you know, I'm not trying to bring up negative things about the recently deceased, but I was truly curious about that. And it ought to be a serious charge. We, you can, we cannot have, you know, our military no. making personal right. decisions, you know. Well, you either, believe, you either believe that the United States of America, I say that as a, as a legal term of art, the United States of America uh, has the right to conscript 
for military service or it does not. I believe it does. And, I, and I'm not being influenced by the fact that the Supreme Court of the United States has held without exception since its inception that the United States of America does have the right to conscript people for military service. If you accept that, that 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 that, that uh, the USA does have that right, then you're correct. You can't have people willy-nilly standing up and saying, yeah, everybody but me. Right. Or putting their own personal political agenda in front of a commander-in-chief's orders. If he says jump, you say how high. And I believe that's how uh, And that's why it's a dynamic yeah. area of the law right. and always has been. What if you're a Quaker? What if you're a fourth-generation Quaker? I'm not even sure what that means, Jay. Actually, educate me. What All is right. a Quaker? Qua- Quakers are a religious order. Uh, and I'm reducing, of course, an entire theological palette to a bumper sticker. And I apologize to everyone for that. But the Quakers are uh, a an ancient religious order best known for their uh, pacifism. They will not. It's a mortal, mortal, you know, grievous sin as a Quaker to strike another, even in self-defense. They sound like liberals. <laughs> yeah, except liberals are happy to strike like rattlesnakes uh, when it pushes their own agenda. Um, yeah, I, I was, just, about- I was just interested. What happens to a fourth, fifth, you know, uh, tenth generation Quaker? What happens to a Quaker who's been a Quaker for two hours? That's another. That would be another question. How long, you know, do you need to be if a Quaker is being enough? How long do you need to have been a Quaker in order to go before? Uh, the draft board and say, no, I'm a conscientious objector. And then there are so many other areas that come into it, like, okay, what about if we draft you, but you don't see combat? What about if we put you on the field of combat as a medic or as a uh, a, a theologian? Uh, what's it called? A uh, fada, fada, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a um, chaplain. Suppose we Suppose we put you right there, on the landing craft next to the guys with the guns, but you won't carry one and we make you a chaplain. That way you're not killing. I'm just, again, I don't know the answers to any of these things. These are just questions. That's why I love the law. It's just every, uh, every question is always, every answer is always followed by other questions. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but not what you called to talk about. So let me do this. Let me break now and we'll come back and we'll turn it into your call. Okay. I always do this to you uh, because I find you interesting. Ty, good idea? All right. We're all in agreement. Uh, uh, The court will recess for two minutes. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Scott is it, it is my friend. He's infuriating. He's honest. He's sneaky. He's all these things because whenever he calls, he somehow tricks me into ranting about something else for 20 minutes. And I always feel guilty. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to try to shut up and, uh, and give it to Scott. Scotty? 
Yes, thank you. Well, that's a pretty big compliment coming from you, Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Talking about Trump for a moment here. Um, Yes, he's shooting himself in the foot or a little higher, as you uh, said earlier. Um, I I often wonder, I mean, who is his campaign manager, Donald Duck? Um, I I don't understand what is going on with him. (laughs) Well, of course, he doesn't have... He doesn't have a campaign manager as such and never will. Hmm. How come? Because he doesn't listen. Because this is a guy that if you if you forget everything else about him, okay, let's forget all our other knowledge and uh, thus prejudices of and about him. If you take a guy who has been successful in business and who happens to be arrogant to begin with, and you put the two together, he just has not learned, you know, like giving a squirrel a nut or, you know, giving like a laboratory mouse another hit of Coke, you know, in order to get the operant conditioning. Donald Trump has never been conditioned to believe that leaning on or even listening to the opinions of others is worth much to him. So he keeps his own counsel and before you, you see the result, an arrogant zillionaire. Hmm. And the, the irony, in my opinion, is that if this, were, if this were a golf tournament, all Donald Trump has to do is shoot par. Hillary has enough of her own issues, for lack of a better word, my lord, that he shouldn't even have to be anything special. She's I think been that's shooting herself. Framing. She's been that's, shooting that's... herself in the foot for 20 years. Now that's that's yeah. honestly that's about the best framing I have heard, including my own, uh, in in this race so far. That's exactly right. Donald needs to just get up, you know, don't lose any balls, figuratively or literally. You know, go out there, try to keep it in the middle of the fairway, J- just play, just you know, get on and off the golf course. Try not to make mistakes. And you're right; chances are you become the next president. But he insists on, you know, what does this take to get over the water? And his caddy, who's paced the course a million times, tells him, you know, you need at least, you know, a four iron. He goes, now give me my nine iron. You know, and they end <laughs> yeah. up, the caddy ends up with his pants rolled up, poking around for the ball, you know, with some trout. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's like she's self-defeatable, if that's a if that's a correct way to phrase it. Excuse yeah, no, that's me, I think that's, that's well said. I mean, come on, this is wiffle ball. I mean, I think I could beat her. You just you just have to expose her, which is what I'm banking on. And like I've said before, Jay, I would have much rather Ted Cruz, but this is what we got, and we certainly do not want her in the White House appointing Supreme Court justices. All no. he has to do is not shoot himself in the feet for them until November 9th. Can you just, it's almost like zip it, which is why I said his campaign manager, who the heck is, you ought to be doing that. You ought to be his campaign manager. Something's well, wrong. You, 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 you or I could qualify, you know, we'd be on the cover. If there was still a Time magazine as such, we'd be on the cover as the best campaign manager ever. And the thunderbolt of brilliance we would have provided the campaign would be a ticket to Hawaii for our candidate. Here, go here. Give me your cell phone. And I'm going to smash it on the pavement right here. Now, go to the airport, go to Hawaii, shut up, stay in Hawaii, 
you come back like on November 5th. You know what? Obviously, you're exaggerating, but I don't think you're that far off. I think that would be enough to get it done because hey, only Trump what do you, what do you think be- the expression Rose Garden strategy comes from? When you're an incumbent, the default template of your campaign, sometimes it can't be because the outside world intrudes and forces you to actually have to put the ball up. But to go back to the Scott dynamic, you know, keep the ball on the ground. Just like, it doesn't matter if it's boring. We're not going to throw the ball this quarter. Do you understand me? If you throw the ball, I'm yanking you out of the game. You keep the ball on the ground. Well, that, you know, as you have said, different sports metaphor, that, that's pretty much true here. Trump needs to keep the ball on the ground. He insists on throwing the ball, you know, into downfield heavy coverage when he can't even see what's going on, you know, off his front foot, you know, uh, or back foot. Rather, He just he's not and he's never probably going to listen to anyone's advice. It's and that's anyway, gonna... the Rose Garden strategy was always if you're an incumbent, run as the incumbent. And the Rose Garden strategy, obviously, is if you were a president from which the saying uh, derives, you you just you let a picture be taken of you once a week in the Rose Garden with some or other uh, worldwide leader and go back in the go back and have another picture taken of you managing the worlds of America and the world's affairs sitting behind your desk with the weight of the world on your shoulders. And and that's it. Those are the two pictures you issue each week for like a year. Well, shooting power or keeping the ball on the ground. Same, <laughs> that's right. Thing. Of course, that was before cable television. So, All right. Uh, I, I just find it really ironic that Hillary says Trump is unqualified to be president. I literally almost spit up when I'm watching. I'll be eating dinner and I'll hear her say he doesn't have the temperament to be president. You know, she's yeah. left our soldiers dead in Benghazi. So yeah. for her, oh, by the way, I watched heard... 13 Hours this weekend uh, for the first time. That's the movie about Benghazi. And uh, I highly commend it to you if you've not seen it. And I tweeted out, if you could really be for Hillary Clinton after seeing this film, then, I, you know, I can't explain it. Um, mm. But you're, you're, you're right. And today she's doubled down on this, Scott. Today I saw her live uh, following one of her appearances, and she made a point of making herself available, which she never does, and uh, recently criticized for it. She made herself available for two minutes, made it look like a mistake, you know, finally answered her name when it was called, and said, oh, yes, yes, you have a question for me? <laughs> and, uh, and, and launched into a predetermined, uh, auto answer about uh, and by the way the question was planted because the question was Mrs. Clinton do you feel the weight of expectation at the prospect of your being the first woman president yeah I'm sure that if you're at the Washington Post and you're going to get one question uh, maybe in six months that's going to be your question anyway that was the question and she launched into auto answer and said, oh, I do, I do, I do. I Men come and bring their daughters, not just men, but women come and daughters come, and they all say to me, this would be so historic. This would be so historical. What she didn't say, it would be, she was just off by a couple of letters. It would be hysterical, is what it would be. She 
disgusts me, and she's so fake. Do you, do you get that read when you see her oh, answer questions? Her, everything on. about that's her like, smile. That's your question? Her, Scott, that's like the question, do you feel the weight of being the first female candidate? Do I find her disgusting? I'm throwing my mouth at the thought of her. I mean, she's a criminal, and and she's about as much a woman as those East German uh, weightlifting women team was at the Olympics in 1962. Oh, God. She's the caster Simana. She's the caster Simana of politics. Jay, what is this country's love? Why and how is this country's love affair with her, though? It's, I don't understand it. Like, do they not? Can they not read the writing on the wall that she's the most corrupt person I've ever known to be in politics? She, I mean, where do I begin? She's committed felonies. She's under FBI Scott, investigation. Obviously, you are not in the you are not in the family business, and your family business is not getting a check every month from other families. Yeah, Where's my free rough. stuff at? It's the where's my free stuff at business. And everyone who gets free stuff and relies on it is going to be for the Democrat, whoever it is. It's not about Hillary. I mean, there's an extra dimension of Hillary because it's Hillary, because she's a Clinton. Believe it or not, people actually find that attractive. Some people do. But mostly, you know, the overwhelming base of her support, Scott, comes from people who are the other people's money party. Like, where's my free stuff at? So... Really, the base of the base of the Democrat Party has become, you know, one one is a welfare-based system, one is a free enterprise-based system. And I would say right now, if you look at the scoreboard, free enterprise ain't doing too well. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 one Glenn Beck, Fox News Channel, 9 o'clock Eastern tonight with Megyn Kelly. So we go back to our question here, and thank you, Scott. Um, Scott's a great caller, and he, he makes it kind of like a magician, you know. You may not think that Scott's going to be a great caller at the start, and all of a sudden he's still on 35 minutes later, and you're asking him to forgive you. So, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a good trick. Um, <clears throat> no, Scott, thank you, seriously. Uh, Trump has now, for the first time, done something. Look, it isn't easy, but it's really not, it's not radically hard. Difficult, complex. I, I believe, my, my professional opinion is, and I've said this many times already, tweeted it, we've discussed it, Trump needs to make this civic circus maximus every day. And in order for him to make it such every day, Trump needs to be in coverage every day. In order to do that, You have to create coverage every day. In order to do that, you have to say something every day. You have to answer questions every day. 
And with that goes the inherent and automatic risk of someone sandbagging you, fairly or unfairly. You can't be in the news every day and not get beaten snotless. It's going to happen. You're going to have to take your punches. And you'll throw punches. And the name of the game is to be standing at the end of it. But Trump can't just go away. Uh, Scott's right. He needs to play par, get off the golf course, let the other people make mistakes. He's he's going into Sunday afternoon with a six-stroke lead and, in, in essence, kind of. And so he really just needs for the other guys to try and, you know, make trick shots to whittle down that six-shot lead. Uh, so a Sunday, just play it. Just keep the ball in the middle of the, you know, stay out of the tall and uncut. Keep the ball in the middle of the fairway and don't take chances. But that's easy to say. He actually can't do that unidimensionally. He needs to do that, but he at the same time needs to make sure there's a press conference at the end of his round. And he has to do it every day. Civic, circus, moximus to the moximus. But he's finally done it, and that is he's committed an understandable but grievous sin in making this comment about the judge, and that is this judge is unfair because he's a Mexican. He's making it impossible for the people closest to him to stick with him. And, as importantly, more importantly, to win over people he doesn't already have. Now, he started this off with a minority proposition of winning so to speak, and he's still not the favorite. Despite what what I'm saying about, you know, just go out, play par, as agreeing with Scott, the thing is, he does need to win this. There, There is a real duality to this. Trump needs to win it, but he needs to win it mostly by not making mistakes. But on the other hand, he does need to, to be on the news every day. And with it goes the inherent, you know, risk. But we've now come to the point where I'm willing to say it's like the old picture of a snake eating its tail. Think about it. I want you to picture. Why don't you pass the... Wait, this is for uh, Mary. Mary, are you listening? Raymond, why don't you pass the time by playing a little solitaire? Okay. Uh, Best and brightest, why don't you pass the time by actually picturing a snake eating its tail. What happens when it gets to the end of its tail? How does that work? What happens when the snake eats all of its tail and keeps going? How does that end? What is the, what is the if it's a two-box uh, cartoon, the first box is the snake swallowing just the first part of its tail. If it keeps going, what's in the second box? How does that end? All right. Donald Trump, by making remarks, and he has to make remarks every day to keep him in the news, but by making those remarks that go wrong and force his allies the people who have defended him the most, the best, 
when he causes them to have to walk away from him, like Newt Gingrich. See, I'm not surprised at Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan has never been for Trump. Paul Ryan, Paul Rhino is for Paul Rhino and the Rhinos. He's never going to be for Trump, even if he's for Trump. Okay? But Newt is or was actually for Trump. But with a with a statement like this, Trump has to know. Trump has to have someone in the room like you or me who can say to him, Sir, if you say I can't win this case, you know, the judge is against me because he's a Mexican. Sir, if you say that, just like the sun will set, Even Fox News, who likes you, is going to run to Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Newt Gingrich, everybody in the world who's ever said a good word about you. All of the reporters are going to run to these people and say, Trump just said the judge is Mexican and biased against Trump because he is a Mexican. What do you think about that? Well, if you want to have any public life left... Maybe you're in a state like New Mexico or Texas, where if you do something, say something to alienate the Hispanic vote, then you could start looking for another line of work. Or maybe you're running for president, or maybe you want to be useful as a vice president. How useful can Newt be to Donald Trump if Newt has to hang around his neck a racist label? Or, you know, I hate Mexicans. It's okay to build a wall. It's okay to build a wall. It's okay to say you're going to build a wall. It's not okay to say, I hate Mexicans. And worse, worse, you can't say something that's demonstrably false and almost universally viewed as racist. Oh, that judge, he's a Mexican. No, he's not. He just isn't. Period. He's not Mexican. And I. so he, he must, Trump has to get someone in the room with him who can say to him, sir, it's your decision, but let me tell you the future. If you call this judge a Mexican and unfair because he's a Mexican... They're going to go to Newt Gingrich and everyone else on your VP list and say, do you agree? And you're going to end up with, what do you want? Do you want someone on your list, someone who agrees with this and therefore can't possibly help you in the general election? Can't attract anybody. They won't be able to get the votes of their family if they agree with you on this. Yet, if they disagree with you on this, you have just created a disagreement that didn't need to occur, and you become the snake eating its tail. You are creating your own enemies out of allies. Now, I think the best possible example of this is Newton. If you believe that Newt has been on the shortlist, on the VP shortlist, and I'm not sure that Newt is or was, I can see why it would serve Trump to have floated his name, uh, and you do too. 
That's what. That's why you do it. That's what you do. That's why you float VP names out there. You do it to win over people to take a second look at you, even though you have no intention of ever choosing them. This is one of the free shots you get when you're running for president to win over Catholics, women, blacks, whites, checkered, green, red, yellow, polka dot, every conceivable trans polka dot, the trans polka dot community. You get to name 15 different VPs so that you get to curry favor with everybody. But then at the, you know, the, when evening comes and you pull the shades and you pour yourself a scotch, there have to be people who are really on that list. And if you're going to cut their gunads off, you're not going to have a list. You're going to be the snake eating its own tail. And when you said this about the judge, he's a Mexican, you knew or are too stupid to be president if you didn't know that they were going to go to Newt Gingrich at all and say, comment on this. And they were all going to say, no, I, I don't agree with that. I can't agree with Donald on that. Or worse. And Newt, God bless him, didn't pull his punches. He said, it's the dumbest mistake Donald Trump's ever made. The worst mistake he's ever made. Can't say that. It's wrong. It's stupid. And so now, even though Newt will forgive Trump, Trump won't probably forgive Newt. So what Trump has done is he's eating his own tail. What what Trump has done by his own hand is alienated Newt Gingrich, removed him from the VP list, probably, or created an issue if he does name him somewhere down. And I don't think he will, because I think Trump takes it too personally. I, I think this is going to cost Newt his place on the VP list. And so either way, he either, he hurts Newt. He hurts Newt by putting Newt in this position. So you either, Trump never again speaks to Newt, and Newt stops standing up for Trump, which hurts who? It hurts Trump. Or or Trump swallows it and still names Newt. But tomorrow, by tonight, by tonight, Trump will be asked, is Newt still on your VP list, or can you not work with someone who would criticize you like this? Oh, they're going to, you, you know, these sneaky bastards are going to put it in a way that makes it very enticing to Donald Trump's pride to say, oh, no, I could never. No, I insist on loyalty. I could never accept someone. So what did you end up doing? What did you end up with here? Net, net. You ended up with saying a stupid thing. You could say, build a wall and everyone will kiss your butt. You can say the judge is a Mexican and therefore I can't get a fair trial. And all of the people who will kiss your butt for saying you're going to build a a wall will walk away from you for calling the judge an unfair Mexican and unfair because he's Mexican. And you're going to lose Newt Gingrich or you're going to damage Gingrich's stock or anybody else who either criticizes you or agrees with you. That's why this standard you know, is, are we going to be talking about this a week from now? So far for everything, no, we're not going to be talking about it a week from now. But when you do something like this that damages the company's product, i.e. a perfectly viable VP guy who even if you were going to use him to flatter a certain constituency, you have now 
cut Newton's gonads off, which makes him no good to you. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, you know the drill. We're not going to know about what happens in California tomorrow until, well, we're not going to know tomorrow, obviously, you know. I mean, I'm not going to know tomorrow night. I'm not staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning to find out that, you know, I mean, I it, it's, it's of great interest to me and importance whether Bernie pulls this off. I mean, this be, being, can he beat Hillary in California? It's very important. And any prospect Bernie has of disrupting the convention, oh, please, if there's a God, you know, he's going to disrupt the convention and be Dracula and never go away. I love all of it. It's important. But I ain't staying up till three or four o'clock in the morning to find out. You know, I mean, I, I, I will. I'll be awake. I'll have a bud in my ear. I'll be in bed. And I'll be listening to the BBC. You know, and they'll tell me, but I'm not going to like sit here and watch television. So we won't really know most anything approaching normal people are not going to know until early Wednesday morning. And so we won't get to talk about it on this show, California, that is, until the day after tomorrow. So that gives us a lot tomorrow to talk about uh, because this is, as it turns out, ironically, the last six states are Super Tuesday, and the only one that really matters is California. And what no one has mentioned yet is if Bernie beat her in New Jersey. Now, I want to mention this to get it on record. I don't think Bernie can beat her in New Jersey tomorrow. But if he did, if he did, that'd be the end. I really think then, I think if he, if Bernie beat Clinton in New Jersey and California, it would be the the superdelegates would start switching. But California is enough. We shall see. Together. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.